It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's up, Dolphins fans? This is the Thursday, November 4th, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, and on today's episode, we're exploring some of the comments that were made by General Manager Chris Greer yesterday, his first press conference in quite some time, and he discussed the pursuit of Deshaun Watson, how the team perceives quarterback Tua Tagovailoa, and much more here on today's episode of Locked On Dolphins. Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Thursday, November 4th, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first listen of the day. Uh, Today's episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. And I'm sure all of you listening are, are not loving a late release on this Thursday morning, uh, to which you have my thanks for your patience. Uh, I was on dad duty last night. Uh, our, our, my daughter just recently started going to uh, childcare during the day, and uh, she's made a couple of friends already. It's really cool, but she also brought home her first bug. And as a result, uh, dad spent uh, a couple of hours last night and by a couple, I mean more than just a few, uh, in the nursery in the rocking chair uh, with a, a sniffly 10-month-old. So I say all that to say uh, we've ripped a couple things of caffeine, hit a C4 already this morning. We are ready to get into these comments that I was hoping to get into last night and then a little crossover Thursday action with our friends over at Locked On Texans. So some good stuff in the queue for today. So let's get into it. Let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right in to some of the comments that were made by General Manager Chris Greer, who spoke for the first time in forever yesterday with the media. First question he was asked, why did the team pursue quarterback Deshaun Watson, which obviously was widely reported? Why did Steve Ross ask for permission to speak with him? And why did you ultimately not make the trade? Chris Greer's response. I would say it's my job as general manager to always investigate every avenue of players that potentially may or may not be available. First of all, it's no different. We've done that from day one. There's no mandate from anyone. That's just how we operate, and I think that's how every team in the NFL operates. In terms of what discussions were had and what people asked for permission and all that kind of stuff, at the end of the day, no trade was made. As an organization, we decided not to make a deal. Basically, at the end of the day, you go through these processes and you walk through these things. No decision was made, and we're moving forward with the team that we have. Fair enough. Um, 
And if you had told me back in January of last year that Miami was going to be knocking on the door of a Deshaun Watson deal before the off-the-field allegations were levied against him, I'd have completely understood. Heck, I did a mock draft last February in which I had the Dolphins trading for Deshaun Watson. And um, I, I think the complex thing here, and the analogy I had made at the time, was it was like the Family Guy episode where Peter Griffin wins uh, a free boat or a mystery box. And Peter says, oh, the mystery box could be anything. It could even be a boat. And that analogy there is, yes, Tua Tungvaloa, we hope, can develop into a high-level starting quarterback in the NFL, but the other name that was involved in this process already is established as a top-name quarterback in the NFL. But that was before the allegations were levied against him. And so I, I don't have a problem with Miami exploring a trade. It was the fact that once the allegations were made and this process was strung out and not addressed and so on and so forth. And the comments, and I understand that, that the Dolphins with this regime have a certain guidelines of how to handle media. But I think certain things require you to break those guidelines. So from Brian Flores's perspective, you know, at the end of the day, he's probably going to say, look, I told you guys every time you asked me that two, two is our quarterback. Two is our quarterback. What else do you want to know? But it's the fact that there was a... There is an ongoing morality dynamic here with the off-the-field allegations that, A, first of all, complicated this matter to such a degree in which something didn't get done, but you had nine months of a buildup of it being reported interest, including Stephen Ross the night before the trade deadline, receiving permission from the Texans reportedly to speak with Deshaun Watson. This whole public charade is where I take the exception to everything that's going on, especially because there is a morality layer that's involved. Chris Greer then asked, what does that interest say about how you feel about quarterback to a tongue of Aloha? Chris Greer's response, I don't think it's any different than any player on the roster, honestly, because a player is available around the league that is viewed as being one of the top players in the league at any position, I think you look at it and go for it, or try to go for it. Investigating a player at any position, whether it's wide receiver, D-line, O-line, linebacker, if it's a good player, we're going to investigate it and look at it and do it. We're very happy with Tua. I think he's developing well. Brian Flores has been very consistent in his message, and we have been as well. He's working hard. He's showing a lot of improvement, and I think he'll continue to develop and be the player we think he can be. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I would argue there were opportunities to go out and get other players that were considered to be top players in the league at any position. I think about Rodney Hudson, the center, now with the Arizona Cardinals, being acquired with a third-round draft choice. And you can sit here and nitpick and, and go through a bunch of examples that also would not make sense. But I don't know how Miami came into this offseason with the center position looking like it did 
and saying, yeah, we got Michael Dieter, Matt Skurig, Cameron Tom, Rodney Hudson we could get for a three. We got a young quarterback. Nah, no thank you. And we like guys that are maulers and, and brutes up front. So I think there's a couple of examples of this that if this was really just like a flat line base approach, you'd probably have seen the Dolphins offseason go a little different than what it did. I respect the fact that you're you're looking to upgrade the roster, and I, I appreciate the fact that you're not going to let a good player or a good young player prevent you from potentially acquiring a great player. I say that in the draft process game all the time. Team X got a, a fifth-round rookie player who far outperformed expectations and was a quality player for Team X in 2021. Well, if you get to 2022 and the best player available by far is a player who plays the same position and he's an elite talent, you take the elite talent because at the end of the day, building a roster is all about talent acquisition and you want to have as much of it as possible. So if this is indeed the ideology, then I need to start seeing more examples of the Dolphins living this approach across the entirety of the roster. That's how I view uh, the rebut there as far as what their pursuit of one quarterback says about the quarterback that's still on the roster. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. One of my favorite personal memories as a kid was anytime I had like a doctor's appointment or something um, and I had to get like pulled out of school during the middle of the day we go to the doctor's appointment and like my dad would always stop at McDonald's and we'd always get McDonald's for lunch on the way back it's like the little little memories from your childhood like that like it's always funny like (laughs) McDonald's has a soft spot in my heart for that because I always loved versus the school lunches getting a chance to go eat at McDonald's. So listen, head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Perhaps we need to get ourselves lined up a Locked On Dolphins watch party. Who knows? I'm loving it. Locked On Dolphins listeners, we've been preaching the gospel about our friends over at Get Upside. It's an incredible app for everybody who buys gas. Listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code touchdown to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank some people who drive a lot are saving as much to two to three hundred dollars a month in cash back and there's no catch the cash gets added right to your account you could cash out at any time to your bank account paypal or an e-gift card such as amazon or other brands just download the free get upside app and use promo code touchdown one thing that i think is important to acknowledge uh, about Chris Greer in his press conference yesterday was the question that he was asked regarding uh, an allegation that was levied by uh, Tony Busby, the attorney that that is representing the women accusing Deshaun Watson of of sexual misconduct. 
that the Dolphins were involved in pushing for some level of elaborate non-disclosures regarding settlement. And I appreciated uh, Chris Greer's candidness. And, and, you know, you could think that Chris Greer's up here lying through his teeth about stuff, but I read his comments and I think he, he towed the line around certain questions to, to not tip their hand or, or to be politically correct to the players on the team. But this question specifically was, did the team or representatives of the team request for the women to sign non-disclosures agreements? I really appreciated how firm, direct, and you read his body language. There's nothing here that tells me Chris Greer is lying about this. His response was, I think any suggestion that this organization would be dealing behind the scenes and try to influence decisions is absolutely ridiculous and categorically false. To say that we would be involved in that is flat wrong, and it pisses me off. I'm sorry. I would certainly hope so. I saw that come through before I recorded Wednesday's show, and I kind of said, you know what, like, there, we, we need a little bit more information here before... There's, there's any firm reactions. I, I really try to not have knee-jerk reactions, but you obviously read that, and it's very concerning, right? And, and I appreciated Chris Greer's candidness, his willingness to be direct with that and show emotion in pushing back against that, and I would certainly hope that that is the truth. I appreciated that dynamic uh, of Chris Greer speaking with the media. Uh, the, the rest of his questions, you know, it kind of goes on. And a lot of his answers, <laughs> quite frankly, uh, fall in line with what we've been talking about on the show for the course of mm, the, the last couple of weeks, the last month. That is, we are going to continue the season with the team that we have and continue to evaluate the roster and the players on the team, and then we're going to make decisions in the offseason. And that included the question of, are you going to revisit Deshaun Watson in the offseason? And the response was something along the lines of, uh, we're going to continue finishing this season. Continues. Uh, we'll keep evaluating the entire roster, not just Tua. We want to see improvement from everybody across the roster and keep developing. And once the off season comes, we'll approach it and make decisions then. Okay. Very good. Evaluation window. Whether or not this regime continues to be in place to to continue to tinker and make changes. That's to be determined, and it will probably be largely determined by what the, the next nine games look like from a lot of the players involved on the field. One thing that is kind of a subplot here that I think is also worth mentioning, and it's, it's concerning because Miami's been known for this for a little while, and the question that was asked was, why would you let another team use you guys as maybe leverage or put out other statements that may not be true? Chris Cruz's response was, because I can't come out here every week and start denying this and that and saying this is false, 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 doesn't do any good to keep coming out. So for us, I never commented on anything. I don't peel publicly in the media with stuff. You guys know that. It is rare for me to speak during the season because I always like to talk to you guys after the season when we have a total picture of everything. But at the end of the day, for us to keep making statements every time somebody makes a comment on stuff because we've been involved in a lot of trades, talking with people and looking at stuff. I've had agents say every trade that's involved, they seem to say, are you guys involved in it? Our name is involved, and some of it is true and some of it is not true. You just can't come out every week and keep denying and denying because people won't believe you anyway. 
I appreciate that from Chris. I, I wish we heard from Chris more. I appreciate his thought process, and we want to speak when we have definitive answers with you know more big picture things. I wish we heard from Chris Greer more, but the Dolphins, for seemingly forever, have been a team, and in part because of their aggressiveness, and I, I'm not quite sure I can definitively put a thumb on what the the causation of this is, uh, because it's been across several regimes. Uh, Miami is constantly tied to big money players and big names, even when they don't end up materializing. Uh, Miami's name is the one that's often drugged through the mud and used to jack up the price or try to jack up the price or be used in kind of the public uh public eye to have leverage and kind of play the game within the game. And I would love for Miami to figure out how to not be that team because it is a pain in the ass every year to have Miami be a team that's, oh, they're players for this guy, constantly be attached to the rumor mill. And in the instance of of the player in question at the trade deadline, like, Listen, go read Chris Greer's comments. Go watch the press conference. It's not really a secret. Like, it's it's no longer a secret that they were involved. The question is, when there's more clarity on the situation, will they continue to be involved and be willing to do whatever it takes to get it done? I'm inclined to believe the answer is yes. But from more of a big-picture standpoint with the Dolphins, they're always a team that gets attached in the rumor mill and gets their name thrown in there as a, a leverage ploy. And Peyton Manning was the same thing. And uh, when he was available, and that was almost 10 years ago. And I would love to see Miami find a way to not be that team in the public eye anymore. But I unfortunately don't have a good answer on, on how that happens and, and how you get away from that. Football is back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code Locked On. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, and it is where the game starts. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get ourselves a little Locked On Crossover Thursday action with our friends over at Locked On Texans. We are back for another Crossover Thursday episode here on the Locked On Network. Locked On Dolphins, Locked On Texans, Kyle, Cody, John. We are going to have a good time talking about... um, 
a game everybody was probably pretty interested in in the build up to the trade deadline. And I don't know if anybody's going to have any interest in it now outside of these two fan bases in Houston and Miami, because uh, everybody obviously had eyes on uh, the Deshaun Watson standoff and saga that's been going on for real, uh, real long time, but that going to put it on the back burner. We got a football game to talk about. So gentlemen, how are we doing today? Doing well, man, as you already alluded to, you know, I'm not going to lie. I thought we'd be doing this crossover. You'd be asking me stuff about, you know, how good is Deshaun Watson on the field? <laughs> but uh, look, we're doing good, man. You know, as you know, the Houston Texans are just as dysfunctional to a certain extent as the Miami Dolphins. And this is going to be a very interesting game. And if you don't mind, let's just jump right into it, Kyle. And cool. I would like to ask you straight up, what is the deal with Tua? I'm a Tua fan. I have a lot of confidence that he's going to turn into a very solid quarterback in this league. It seems like it's split down the middle. What can you say about my guy, Tua? Uh, it, it's really odd when you think about the timeline, right? And that they drafted mm-hmm. him at number five overall. And the offensive coordinator was there last year as the guy who had coached for six years with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was the returning starter on the team. And everybody kind of thought, okay, you know, like, Maybe 2020 redshirt year for Tua had the hip injury, all the COVID stuff that went on. Like, just let him get back to 100%. And you get to week seven, and all of a sudden, in the bye week drops, and they make the decision to put Tua in when Brian Flores had said no less than three weeks earlier, if Tua was my son, I wouldn't play him Mm. because he's not ready. And then they put him in. And it's a part of it, they build it as part of what's best for the team and the evaluation process. But then at the same time, in the fourth quarter of a couple of games last year, when Miami's down, Brian Flores goes back to the bullpen and puts Ryan Fitzpatrick in. So this whole process has been very unorthodox, and I think it's created a lot of problems that didn't necessarily have to exist. And it's probably instilled some doubt with some of the players on the team who who were looking there last year and saying, man, we're trying to run for the playoffs, and we get in trouble, and and we – the starting quarterback's not even our guy. We're going to go back to the other guy. And uh, I think that that's probably kind of raised some eyebrows and, and created some questions. And Kyle Van Noy was a player who was on the team last year who they cut loose in the offseason. And that was perceived to be part of that decision-making process it was not just Cap, but Kyle was an outspoken leader on the, on the team and on the defense. And when he left Miami, he didn't necessarily have nice things to say about Tua. So, I think some of this strife was created last year, and then when a player, a player, a football player, Deshaun Watson's caliber becomes available because he's displeased with Houston, but Miami couldn't help themselves. And Stephen Ross has had two goals since he bought the Dolphins uh, in the late 2000s, and it was win a Super Bowl, find the heir to Dan Marino. Well, step two there, finding the heir to Dan Marino, helps you get perceivably closer to step one. And... um it really feels like he had gotten permission to speak with Watson ahead of the trade deadline. And I don't know how they can look anybody in a straight face and say, we still believe in Tua. And I'm with you. I think Tua can be a successful NFL quarterback, but I think it's probably going to have to be somewhere other than Miami, just based on what this first year and a half has been like for him. You know, you mentioned the locker room. I want to look at Brian Flores, how much, uh, a disappointing head. he has he been this year for the Miami Dolphins as a head coach. How how good has he been eluding those Deshaun Washington questions? I think that they have been hitting him constantly uh, every week. It seems like he he's getting 
in the media for Deshaun Watson question in his response. So how much of the locker room does he still have? And will he be with the team next year moving forward? Yeah, so that that's that last part there is the really interesting part of all of this because it feels like the Watson saga is to be continued, right? And you'll revisit this in the offseason. And if I'm Steven Ross and I do want this to happen, am I going to fire the guys in-house who I know were ready to make that happen and then try to hire new guys and sell them on a quarterback I don't have on my roster yet? Like, that's pretty complicated to do. So I think the fact that this pursuit led to no, no action happening probably helps the case of both Brian Flores and Chris Greer coming back to the team next year. Mm. But you know, Brian Flores specifically, he's getting peppered with these questions because he gives the same exact answer every time he's asked, which is two is our quarterback. Period. There, there's no further extrapolation. There's no further. It's just two is our quarterback. I'll leave it at that. And when that's all you get, when these rumors just don't go away, everybody's going to be like, that's it. Like, is he your quarterback right now? Is he your quarterback long term? Do you like what you see? So then they they brought out the general manager, Chris Greer, uh, yesterday to have his first press conference availability in quite some time to kind of try to address some of those issues. But I'm a little worried about the way the team is playing from an energy perspective. You know, Brian Flores, his mantras have been do the things that take no talent, play your butt off, uh, play smart, play disciplined. And the team's not doing any of those things right now. They're, they're not playing inspired. The defense has regressed to an insane degree. And you watch, they, they have this merry-go-round of assistant coaches where coaches are coming in. They're leaving for the same job somewhere else without taking a promotion. He's on his third and fourth offensive coordinators in three years. He's on his fourth offensive line coach in three years. And it's like, I don't know how you fix that because guys outside the league, they see, or outside the team across the league, they see this stuff happening. And it's like, I'm not going to tie my profession to come down and be your fifth offensive line coach in four years just for us to get to the end of the year. And you can't hire a, a competent OC and I'm going to be out on my butt and out of a job. So that's the worry for me with Flores. And he's been a massive letdown because he was so good for those first two years. Mm. And, and Kyle, going into week nine, <laughs> the Miami Dolphins has the same record as the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. Going into the season, everyone knew the Texans were going to be a dumpster fire. But Deshaun Watson or not, we we all believed that Miami was going to be a contender in the AFC. Can you just speak on how disappointing of a season this has been, and what has went on that led you guys to ha- led you guys to having the same record as the Texans so far? It's the most disappointing season I can remember in quite some time. And it's kind of this perpetual cycle where they hire a coach. There's a successful season somewhere in there. And then the team immediately regresses back. And it doesn't matter what they do from a a hierarchy perspective. It doesn't matter what they do from what kind of coach they go after. Mm -hmm. This organization just, it, it really seems like they have a hard time keeping everybody on the same page and rowing in the same direction. And a lot of their, Issues are self-inflicted issues, and I think that's the the most frustrating part of all of it because you know, I can't help but wonder if Deshaun Watson had the Dolphins on one of the teams that was on his no-trade destination list and he was never an option for Miami, I can't help but wonder what this offseason would have looked like and building up to the season. And, and you know, it felt like there were times where they were 
holding out hope that they could get this done and, and maybe putting that potential ahead of some of the other needs on the team. And, you know, uh, as I said, with the, with the players and the questions that existed going back to fits on the roster and thinking about some of those guys who, if there's kind of a rift with fits guys versus Tua guys on the roster. And if Tua gets hurt week two, right. And just the whole thing's perpetuating. And it's like, man, we knew it. Like, I feel like there's a lot of negativity in this black cloud of them having eyes for somebody who's not on their roster has really probably helped brew this toxic environment that the team is in right now that they just can't seem uh, to shake or get out of. But yeah, man, I mean, expectations were so high. They overachieved in each of the first two years. Brian Flores was here. And this, this is about as nightmarish of a scenario as I can remember going back to like 2007 when they went one and 15. Wow. So, but is, is there any hope for Brian Flores? I mean, like you mentioned, he had two good seasons, 10 and six last year with the quarterback rotation. And now they're just tailed off completely, but is there hope for him to get it one more year with this team? I think they'll need to bounce back down the stretch with the win wins and losses and, and not continue the tailspin that they're in. Uh, and he's going to have to have a really strong answer for what are you going to do on the offensive side of the ball? So they, he brought in Chad O'Shea's as offensive coordinator in 2019, his first year who was in new England and he was fired at the end of the year. They said the playbook was too complex. He was too rigid with trying to teach the guys the playbook. There were players that had complaints about him. He's out. Well, then they bring in Shane Gailey and they tailor it to specifically Ryan Fitzpatrick and half less than halfway through the season. They pull Fitzpatrick despite the far, part the fact that he was playing relatively well. Uh, and the chemistry never exists. And Tua himself said in the offseason, I didn't really know the, the playbook all that well last year. Didn't have any freedom at the line of scrimmage to change plays. I knew plays were dead, but we had to run them because I didn't have anything at my disposal. So then Shane Gailey's out at the end of last year. And their hiring process was a bunch of dead ends until they co-promoted two guys to serve as co-offensive coordinators that were on the, the staff as assistant coaches last year. Like, this is not sustainable. So they got to start winning some games, and then Brian Flores has got to say, hey, here's an established coach that exists in the league that has proven time and time again that he could run an efe- efficient, effective NFL offense. I'm going to hire him. I'm going to let him run that side of the ball, let him work with our quarterback, and I'm not going to touch it and stay out of the way. And if he can do that, I think there is a chance uh, that he can find himself back on the sidelines again in 2022. We thank you for tuning in with Locked On Dolphins, Locked On Texans, your team every day. We don't just say it here. We live it on the Locked On Network, and we appreciate everybody who makes us your first listen throughout the course of the day. Enjoy the game this weekend. Enjoy the college football that's to be had this weekend as well. And thanks, as always, for listening to the Locked On Network. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day.